We're so glad each and every one of you here today. What a celebration. Just one more time. Let's just celebrate what God's doing in these lives. Amen. Amen. It's a joy to be with you today and to worship Jesus and to see Jesus proclaimed by these and to open God's Word and to look at Jesus from the Word of God. And we are going to be in part two of the book of Acts. We spent a few weeks in the book of Acts before Easter. If you missed any of that, you can hop on our uh, website or app and you can listen in and catch up. And we're going to kick in today in a series called Shift. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This word shift... It carries forth the idea of an adjustment. Ultimately, as we're talking about the book of Acts and we're talking about the church, we're talking about an adjustment that takes place so that the church, therefore the gospel, can go forth further, faster. That's the plan of Jesus for the church. It's for the church to take the gospel, which is the death, the burial and the resurrection, which you just saw forth there, to go forth further and faster. You and I still have people in our lives that need to experience the gospel, and so we've got to be willing to shift. We've got to be willing to adjust as God wants us to do, because he wants it to be made known to everyone. Speaking of everyone, When it comes to people, when it comes to uh, interacting with people and relationships and social dynamics, if you will, um, it it just gets kind of tricky sometimes. And sometimes it's not tricky. Uh, Actually, sometimes it's, it's really, really hard. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt left out? Think about that for just a moment. Anybody get picked last when you were in elementary school to be on the kickball team? Huh? You're like, I'm not raising my hand, right? But maybe that was you, right? Maybe you didn't get picked for the team. Maybe you didn't get invited to hang out with the cool kids. Maybe you didn't get asked to prom. Maybe you got left out of everything. Maybe right now you feel like you're a little bit left out. So as you think about this idea of have you ever felt left out, we're sitting in a crowd of people right now. We just celebrated with these four that have just placed their faith in Christ recently, and hopefully they don't feel left out today, but maybe you're actually sitting in a huge group of people right now, and you actually feel all alone. You feel left out. You feel different. You feel unaccepted. You feel unwanted. And there's a lot of reasons why we can feel left out. Maybe you feel left out because of who you are. Maybe you feel left out because of who you are not. Maybe you feel left out because of what you have done. Maybe you feel left out because of what you can't do. Maybe you feel left out because of what has been done to you. No matter the reason, it never feels good to be left out. So I just want to say to you this morning, if you feel left out, I believe what we're going to read and what we're going to look at in the Word of God today is going to bring you hope. Because I just want to give you the heart of the church that's here this morning. We don't want you to be left out. We want you to be included. We want you to be a part 
ultimately we want, we want you to be a part of what we are a part of in Jesus Christ. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. If you just take your hand and wrap that seatbelt around you and click it in, we are going to zip through Acts chapter 8 today, all right? Can you hang on? Keep all arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, okay? But we're going to get through this, and it's going to be good getting where we're going to get. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. So Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely, completely with the killing of Stephen. If you'll recall, and you were here, that's where we left off in the book of Acts. We saw Stephen, one of the seven that were set aside to serve in the church. He didn't just serve, but he shared. He spoke up the word of God. God used him greatly, and in his willingness to proclaim the gospel, they actually stoned him to death. And this is telling us that there's a man there named Saul that says, yep, do it. It goes on in verse number one to say that a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So things were going really, really good in Jerusalem. God had been blessing the church. They were growing. They were sharing the gospel. A lot of people were coming to know him. A lot of people were being baptized. When I say a lot, I'm talking about thousands and Jesus had a plan for them to go forth. And in all of the things that took place, persecution began and they began to scatter. Verse 2. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. And we're going to hear a lot more about him next week. He went from house to house. Imagine for just a minute, you're in your home right now. You're a follower of Jesus. Saul's coming through town from house to house to find people that are proclaiming Jesus. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Verse 4. But the believers who were scattered griped and complained about what was happening. Is that what it said? Anybody reading the scripture? You have your Bibles open or looking at the screen? Is that what it said? But the believers who were scattered, look what it says, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I mean, just think about it in a moment. If all of a sudden they said Christianity is illegal, and they started going from house to house, and we had to move, and we had to go, what would you do? Well, these people, everywhere they went, they shared what had changed their lives and what was putting them in the way of persecution. Verse 5. Philip, we're going to talk about him quite a bit this morning, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miracle, miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. It says that he went to Samaria. Samaria is um, a place where Samaritans lived, and a Samaritan would have been very, very hated by the Jews. A Samaritan would have been a half-breed. You say, well, that's kind of a strong term to use. Well, let me tell you, I'm making it very mild as to the terms they would have used the Jews towards the Samaritans. 
And so they got kind of pushed over here like you're half Jew, you're half Gentile, so you don't belong to us. They got pushed away from their worship. They got pushed away from their people. And there they were, hated, rejected, ridiculed, treated like trash, not even treated like humans, called names, abused, left out, put out, cussed out, and shut out. And now here's Philip, like Stephen, one of the seven that had been set aside to serve, decides to go further and to share, and he begins sharing the good news with the Samaritans. They get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check out Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. It's going to be on the screen for you. Look at it. We read it a few weeks ago. Here's what Jesus said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you, speaking to the early church, at the time, all Jews, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. Okay, we like that. That's our spot. That's our people. In Judea, those are our cousins. We're good. In Samaria? Do you see what's happening in Acts chapter 8? The mandate, the mission of Jesus is being accomplished People are being scattered, and as they are scattered, Philip decides to stand up boldly and declare the name of Jesus to the Samaritans. We're seeing the fulfillment of the mission of Jesus. As time goes along there in Acts chapter 8, we could continue to reading, but I'll just pause and just say that great things happened there. People came to know the Lord. The apostles came to town because they needed to see what was happening. As they saw the Spirit of God moving there, they literally laid their hands on the people, and the Spirit of God filled them, much like on the day of Pentecost, to show that the Spirit of God is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Samaritans. We're going to see later that the Spirit of God is also for the Gentiles. The Spirit of God wants to fill everyone to carry out the mission of Jesus. And we see it happening here in Acts chapter 8. The Samaritans. Pick back up in the story in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So we've got some characters here in this portion of the story that I want to introduce to you and help you understand who they are. Again, Philip, one of the seven that had been set aside by the church in Jerusalem to serve the widows and to carry forth other duties there. Philip has gone to Samaria now. He's preached the gospel there. He crossed a racial line there that they thought they never would cross but he crossed it and he shared the gospel. They experienced Jesus. They experienced the Spirit of God just like the church in Jerusalem did. And now an angel comes along. This is our other character. Simply a messenger of God. Uh, um, an, uh, a being that lived in heaven came forth to speak to, to um, Philip. And as he spoke to him, he listened to him and he obeyed him. He spoke on behalf of God. 
And notice that Philip doesn't make excuses when he hears the angel speak to him. Have you ever had God tell you to do something you didn't want to do? If you're a believer, the answer is probably yes. Because what I've found, most things that God tells me to do, I really don't naturally want to do. But Philip doesn't make excuses. Instead, he says, okay, that's what you want me to do. I'm going to go do it. And so he gets on this road that he was told to get on. This is where the shift comes in. God wants you and I, followers of Jesus, to make shifts from time to time, to make adjustments from time to time so that we can carry out the mission of God. If you have not shifted lately in your following of Jesus, you've probably not been listening to the Spirit of God because He's going to ask you to do things that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to do things that are outside of the realm that you want to do many times. Sometimes God changes things up. You ever had that happen like you thought things were going to go this way and God says go that way and it's really, really uncomfortable. Sometimes he says go to Benton, Arkansas. In case you don't know, my family and I, we moved here from Washington State. And hopefully all this comes out really, really well because I don't want this to sound bad at all, but we love living in Washington State. We loved the church that we were a part of. We loved what God was doing in and through us there. And he was blessing and being really kind and gracious to us. And he spoke to us very clearly through his word and through his spirit that ultimately he wanted to change plans and put us here in Benton, Arkansas. Now I say that with joy in my heart because if God tells you to do something, he's got a good plan for you. He's got a really good plan for you. And if it doesn't make sense, don't worry about it because he's got it all figured out. Then we see another character in the story here. We see this treasurer, this guy who obviously was very smart, and he was obviously very, very good with money. He was from the country of Ethiopia, and he was a eunuch. Several things I want you to note here. He was really good with money. He was really smart. But then he was a eunuch. What does it mean to be a eunuch? Well, how do I say this and just make it as plain as I can be without being too crude? It means you're castrated. Think about this for just a moment. The queen and the king are hiring people like, yeah, we need the smart people. Okay, he's smart. We need people that are good with money. Okay, he's good with money. Bring him in here. Hey, we want you to take care of our accounts for us. And so here's the contract. Here's what the job looks like. Would you sign on the bottom line? You're reading down through there. You're this guy. You're this treasurer. You're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And you're reading. And you get down to the fine print. And the fine print says, and you will have to be castrated. How many of you are signing up for the job? First of all, why in the world? What is this requirement? What's happening? Think about it. You're the king of this country. You're hiring a dude to work for your wife. Odds are she's a queen. She's beautiful, right? Not only do you have a queen, but you probably have a harem. If you've got a guy that's going to be mixing and mingling with your ladies, and you're large, and you're in charge, and you're the king, you don't want to risk losing any of your ladies. So you know what? We'll just castrate the men that work for me. That's what happened. So here we have this Ethiopian eunuch who's the treasurer for the queen. He has traveled to Jerusalem, maybe on company business, I don't know. But ultimately, his... Uh, reason for being there, personal reason for being there, was to worship the God of Israel. He's riding back now, nearly a thousand mile journey across the desert. Um, I actually was in LA this last week and I made a flight from LA to Phoenix. 
and then from Phoenix to um, Little Rock. And I can't tell you how glad I was as we were going over the desert that I was in a plane, not in a chariot. Are you with me? In about two and a half hours from Phoenix to Little Rock, boom, I'm there. I complained a little bit because it was a little warm in the plane, right? Here he is, a thousand-mile journey in his chariot, and he chooses to open the Word of God, which shows that he has means because you have a copy of the Word of God right now, most likely. If you don't, there's one in the chair underneath you. You can grab it. You can pull one up on your tablet, on your phone. There's great apps for that. You can have such access to the Word of God. But in that day, listen, the printing press hadn't even been um, invented yet. They had to hand-scribe it. So if he had a copy of the portion of God's Word, he either knew somebody that had a lot of um, abilities to get him this, or he spent a lot of money to get this portion of the Word. Word of God, and he's reading it, and he's studying it from the book of Isaiah. We have the Word of God, and we just kind of throw them around. Uh, maybe you bring one to church, and then you throw it back in the truck, and then you get it back out next Sunday, right? Maybe, if you remember. And here's this guy. He's got this copy of God's Word. thousand-mile journey across the desert, and he's studying and reading the book of Isaiah. And then God tells Philip to go meet up with him, to connect with him. This guy was rejected on every level. Think about this just a moment. As he went to worship in Jerusalem, the God of Israel, he wasn't a Jew, so that put him on the outside, okay? Put him on the outside. He was a black man. That put him on the outside. We live in Benton, Arkansas. We understand what we're talking about right now. Everybody getting this? You understand what racial divide looks like? Yes, we do. It's hatred to the core. It's not of God, but it happens in life and in cultures, and it shouldn't be happening today, and it better not be happening in this church there he was on the outside. And then another level of like pushing away, he was a eunuch. So even if they could look over the fact that he was a Gentile, look over the fact that he was a black man, there was no way that he was going to get in and worship with them. There was no way he could even convert to Judaism because, in fact, in the book, Old Testament book, it says that uh, someone that's been castrated can't be converted to Judaism. They can't be allowed in the assembly. He's out, he's all the way out, yet he still shows up. And from the outside looking in, doors open, he can hear a little bit of it. Oh, what's going on in there? And he's there to worship, but no chance of getting in. You talk about left out. You talk about rejected. Look at verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. We've had an angel, messenger of God. We've had Philip a follower of Jesus. We've got an Ethiopian eunuch who's reading the word of God, but doesn't really, you know, know what he's reading. We're going to find that out. And now we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit a lot early on in the book of Acts. Listen to me. If you are a believer, meaning you have understood your sin and understood that Jesus is the only Savior and you've asked him to cleanse you and to forgive you and to become your Lord, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is not merely a force. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is God in us. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and directed him and guided him. The Holy Spirit, he's the one that when I'm up here preaching or someone's up here preaching and, or, or you're out and about and you do something that you shouldn't do and you hear about it or you think about it or it's preached about it and you feel this conviction and you're like, man, I shouldn't have been doing that. Like, why is he all up in my business? I'm not in your business. The Holy Spirit is in your business. The Holy Spirit is the one saying, stop that. 
The Holy Spirit is the one saying, that's not who you are. The Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus died so you don't have to do that anymore. That's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit also lives inside of you to help you do what you can't do on your own. He empowers you. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. He still speaks to us today. And if you want to know for sure that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit, get into the Word of God. Because the Spirit of God will never, ever contradict the Word of God. So if you're like, I don't know what God's saying right now. I don't know what the Spirit of God's saying. Read the Word of God. He's in you. I believe that he's working right now in our hearts and in this place. And he tells Philip, hey, I want you to walk along beside the carriage. I want you to connect with this guy. You see, God wants to use you. Listen to me, believer. God wants to use you. God uses people to save people. Listen to me. God uses people to save people. Could the angel have gone and spoken to the Ethiopian eunuch? Sure, but that's not God's plan to redeem mankind. God's plan is to use me and to use you and to use other believers to speak to other people so that they can come to know the saving a work of Jesus. Now, when we say uses people to save people, I don't mean you're the one that forgives them of their sins and you're the one that makes them right with God, but you are the one that God wants to use to show them Jesus so that they can be saved. Think about that. God uses people. For just a moment, can you think about who God used in your life? You got a person or two in your mind right now that God used so that you could find and follow Jesus. I got a couple people in my head. Uh, this morning as baptism was happening and Nick and Josh just talked about the role that parents have in their kids' lives of sharing the gospel. That's whose faces are in my mind right now. My mom and dad. I'm going to see them this evening. Um, pray for me. When I get done here, I'm going to hop in a vehicle. I'm going to drive to the middle of Oklahoma. And I'm going to preach Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And if you're tired, yes. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. It's going to be good, and God's going to bless. But, like, I think about my mom and dad because my mom and dad were the people that God chose to use to show me Jesus. Maybe for you it was a friend. Maybe for you it was somebody that you were in prison with. Maybe for you it was a friend at school. Maybe for you it was a teacher. Maybe for you, I don't know who it was, but God uses people to save people. He wants you to be involved. He wants you in the game. He wants you to participate. Look now at verse number 30. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now remember, we're talking about a black man here. This guy knew that this guy was from another place. We were crossing another racial divide here. And Philip said, you know what, I can see that and I'm still going. I'm going to follow the Spirit's leadership. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31 the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He, meaning Jesus, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? 
So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. I can just imagine Philip dialoguing with this Ethiopian and saying, you know what? No, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about the one that would come, and his name was Jesus. And I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but like Jesus was just here. I saw him with my own eyes. I witnessed what he was reading about come to pass. And they didn't just kill him, but three days later, he rose again. And he shared the gospel with this man. And somewhere between verse 34 I mean, excuse me, verse 35 and verse 36. We don't have the entire dialogue given here. Obviously, as the gospel is shared, the Holy Spirit goes to work and convinces the Ethiopian that he needs to place his faith in Jesus and to experience the forgiveness of sin. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So obviously, he had been seeing a little bit of what's going on in the early church. He'd been watching these people get baptized. He's wondering what's going on with that. And he's asking, why can't I get baptized? Verse 38, he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. A little beam me up Scotty action going on here. I mean, I don't know how else to, like, read that, but, like, he was there and then he wasn't. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way, what? Rejoicing. I'm a eunuch, but you know what? I know the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and one of these days I'm going to spend forever with him, and right now my sins have been forgiven, and I am right with God, and this guy is celebrating. I think he cranked up K-Love like never before. He went went passing people in his chariot. He's just over there singing and clapping and carrying on. People are like, what's wrong with him? You ever go to work like that? Oh, yeah, you should. Every now and then. Just rejoicing. Like, maybe you should do that when you come to church, too. You know what I'm saying? Like... People are like, what's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm rejoicing, right? I'm just happy. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. goes on, verse 40. Meanwhile, Philip found himself north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. God uses Philip, a Jew, in the early church to lead a black castrated man into the family of God. You know what this story tells me? There's hope for anybody. Nobody gets left out. I hope people in town say, man, down at Holland Chapel, they let anybody in there. Hey, you're here. Right? We're not here because we're good. We're not here because we're better than them. We're not here because of all these other reasons that we can come up. We are here because of Jesus. And if we are right with God, we are only right with God because of the righteousness of Jesus. His work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. By the way... When Jesus said, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Did you know that Ethiopia during that day and age was considered to be the ends of the earth? Is God cool or is God cool? He's amazing. He's got a plan, and he's going to get it done. And here's the amazing thing. He wants to use you and I to get his plan accomplished. He wants to use us. He wants to use us. How did this man from Ethiopia get into the family of God? By faith. By faith. It's the way all of us get in. God uses people to save people. Let me ask this question. Who has God put in front of you? Who has God put in front of you? you. Right now, I don't know if you're thinking about a neighbor, maybe. You're thinking about a friend. You're thinking about a relative. You're thinking about somebody you do a hobby with. But who has God put in front of you right now? And if you will start listening, you will hear the Spirit of God say to you, climb up in their chariot and spend a little time with them. Hang out with them. Do life with them. Open the Word of God with them. Share Jesus with them. Be used by God to help that person come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's God put in front of you? You see, you're not left out. God wants to use you in this great thing called the church. Maybe today, it's not so much from that angle. Maybe, maybe it's more so God put me in front of you today. Maybe today you're here so that you can hear what I am saying today. You're here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've got two questions for you this morning. One, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you in the family of God or are you on the outside looking in right now? Do you feel a little bit left out right now? When we were worshiping earlier, you're like, what's wrong with these people, right? Like, why are they singing out loud in public? And what is all of this thing called worship? And you're just kind of over here. And maybe you witnessed the baptism. Like, why are they getting wet in public? And why would they do that? And maybe like, why would this guy stand up there and make this pitiful talk for about 30 minutes, which seems like an hour and a half to you right now? You're like, I'm over here, I don't know. And, and maybe you're over here because you're thinking, there's no way they'll let me in. If they knew everything that I've done, they wouldn't even talk to me. They wouldn't have said hello to me at the door. I think I kind of slid in today. They really didn't know who I was. And maybe you feel left out today. Listen, you don't have to be left out anymore. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He desires you. He wants you. No matter who you are or who you aren't, no matter what you've done, or what you can't do, you can belong to God as his child by faith. Again, you may say, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for you. You don't know how far I've gone. It doesn't matter. Jesus came for you. You don't know how others look at me. It doesn't matter. Jesus is looking at you with the eyes of love and compassion today. He doesn't want you to be left out. He wants you to be brought in. He wants you to be his. He wants you to belong today. He wants you to experience relationship with him today. And guess what's going to happen amongst God's people? All of us who are already believers who got in the same way by faith. Guess what's going to happen when we find out you place your faith in Jesus? We're going to rejoice. We are going to celebrate. We are going to shout. We are going to smile. We are going to be glad. We are going to laugh in the name of Jesus for his honor and for his glory.
Next question I want to ask you, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Well, if you're not a Christian, your first step is to place faith in Jesus and to become a Christian. But if you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, have you been baptized? Because as we read the Word of God, the first thing God wants you to do, according to His Word, which I believe the Spirit of God is going to lead you to do, is to be baptized. What does baptism do? Does it save you? No. But it tells the whole world that you are saved. It's your first public proclamation of Jesus. These four young people, and I was about their age, and anytime I see a, a younger person uh, follow the Lord in baptism, I always get really excited. At the same time, I know that we as leaders of the church, we spend a lot of time, especially with the younger ones, making sure it's their faith and that it's real and that sin was real to them and Jesus is clear to them. But do you realize what these young people just boldly did today? They proclaimed Jesus. Now, some of you are all grown up, and they outbolded you today. Are you with me? And maybe your next step today is to be baptized and proclaim to the world that you know Jesus. It's your way of proclaiming to the world with humility that you're in, that you're in. Oh, follow Jesus in baptism. Incredible story which we could spend a lot more time in. But I'll just simply say this. We got a guy who was completely left out, had no chance of getting in, entered the good news and the gospel of Jesus, and now he's in. And you can be in today. We want to invite you to Jesus. I'm going to pray, and after this prayer, we're going to come up and share a few things. But what we want you to know, what we want you to know, is that Jesus' arms are open wide. That Jesus wants you. He wants to receive you and he wants to accept you. Myself and our other pastors will be available today. Some of us will be down front. Some of us will be out back. And if you need to connect today and experience Jesus, we want you to do just that.